Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are my interviews with Daisy Edgar-Jones, Dio Okanee, Jojo Gibbs, and Nicole Ackman's interview with Sebastian Stan for the new film streaming on Hulu, Fresh. The women in our parents' generation, they just... They were more into femininity. You know what I mean? Because mm. I think you would just look great in a dress. You but I mean, it? if you were... Pretty much done, actually, thank you. If it's cool, I'm just going to snag these leftovers. Welcome, everyone, to the Next Best Picture podcast. I'm Nicole Ackman, and I'm chatting with Sebastian Stan about his role in the new film, Fresh. So, Sebastian, you've played a lot of very complicated characters over time, from, you know, Carter Bazin on Gossip Girl back in the day, to Jeff and Itanya, to Steve and Fresh. Is there something about these sort of more antagonistic roles that you're drawn to? I guess, um, I, I guess they're more, more fun to play or to, ex- they're more interesting to explore um, in a way than, than just sort of, you know, playing your your typical um sort of you know uh prince charming whatever <laughs> kind of <laughs> not that i ever really got cast in that either <laughs> um but um yeah I, I look i i don't know i i i'm i actually don't think about it as much as uh it might seem i just i read something um i have an initial reaction to it usually it it scares me if it's something i'm ultimately drawn to it 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 scares me and but it yet i can't stop thinking about it um and that's usually an indicator to me that i might have to go there um only because i'm so terrified of it but also i just believe um personally that every human being is complex and um again i think in tv sometimes you get the opportunity over a longer span of time to be able to really kind of tell the story of 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 a complex human being with in, in more subtler ways but sometimes in movies you only have the two hours right so uh, sometimes those complexities are are in my opinion a little bit better explored in extreme characters or extreme circumstances rather than uh you know something that was a little bit more subtle straightforward although i i i've worked on movies like that as well where where it's equally as complicated just not as extreme but um i think um if the movie is asking questions if it's sort of making us think about things we haven't if it's making us feel things good or uncomfortable i i and and there's a real director at hand um who has a real vision I sort of, I sort of feel it's worth paying attention. Absolutely, you've worked in, you know, in an impressive array of genres as films as well, from you know doing the Marvel blockbusters to the indie movies and biopics, and now you know thrillers as well. Is there a genre that you've not worked in yet that you would like to? Comedy, for sure. I, I don't unless <laughs> I don't actually have a lot of comedy coming my way um and if i do it's usually like they just look at me and they're like oh you're you should just play like the cocky asshole or something and i'm like (laughs) 
I, my experience in life is very like neurotic and like awkward and uh, insecure and very like, you know, kind of hypochondriac. <laughs> like I, I've yet to sort of kind of find um, a, a role in, in comedy that I feel um, sort of captures my day-to-day experience. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm still looking. Awesome. So you have two projects releasing on Hulu in like a very short sort of two month time span. And I'm curious, do you think that there's anything that Steve from Fresh and Tommy Lee from Pam and Tommy have in common? Uh, no, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, that's, I'd have to think more about that question. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure I know that answer yet. They, they seem like very different roles, sort of opposite, you know, well, like you said, always, very extreme characters. It's always it's always going to be different when you're playing a, a real life person versus um, a, a fictional character uh, because um, it's different challenges, I guess. In the one on, and and it's and it's good and bad both ways because on the one hand, when you're playing someone who, who's in real life, a lot of the work has sort of been done for you already. There's mm-hmm. there's sort of the life story is there, the background is there. It's just you just have to do tremendous research and and kind of almost find a way into it, um, which is you know not like you. And and but then on if you're working on a fictional character, then um, it does become sort of this imaginative process where you're you really have to build that life story and trying to again like kind of connect the dots. I always think true life story characters or or fictional characters, it's always sort of connecting the dots backwards to sort of how someone grew up, how they evolved, what are the experiences they've had, what is what is influencing the the, the choices they're making, and and again. Um, it's just it's it's when you're when it is someone that's a real life character then then it's based on the research that you make uh that you that you make your best educated sort of kind of like guess there and then um and then if not then you're then you have a lot of work to sort of create someone from nothing essentially i mean the script is always going to be your number one sort of in into something um and it's sort of supposed to be this map uh, but then there's all the other pieces that go around it. Absolutely. Was there anything specifically that you did to prepare for the role of Steve? There was a physical kind of component to it where I I, I started running a lot more than I did. Um, I wanted him to sort of be a little bit leaner. And then I was, because um, I had to lose weight actually for the Tommy role, which came right after mm-hmm. I was sort of starting to experiment with fasting <laughs> and and what happens when you're not eating for 16 to 18 hours. And it's really interesting uh, because then it just, just there's a different energy and adrenaline to that. But it, it was really working with, um, you know, I gave the script to this doctor, Dorothy Lewis, who had an extensive background in, in uh, sort of psychopathic behavior, multiple personality disorder, serial killer kind of behavior. She'd interviewed Ted Bundy out of all people. And, and, and I just, and I had her kind of look at the script and say, Hey, what do you think here? What, what should be tweaked? What shouldn't? And, and, and she, it, it was extremely helpful to have her expertise. And then with her, I kind of started to sort of 
build a little bit of a backstory as to what might have happened, which a lot in the script you kind of don't know about, but you know, it, it's there. If you if you watch the movie again and again, there's little clues throughout that give you uh, sort of an idea of who this guy is or where he came from. But um, it's it's just always about the research. I also had the two weeks of quarantine in Canada before we started and I was locked up in my apartment kind of just really able to focus on the script a lot. And, and I never get that. You never get that kind of time, you know, where your life kind of comes in and where you're just in the, by yourself in an apartment kind of working nonstop on something. And uh, I think that probably helped. I imagine it would have. Absolutely. So this was Mimi Cave's directorial debut or narrative, you know, film debut. What is it like to work with a director who is working on their their first feature film? Well, it's exciting. Um, it's exciting because there's there's an there's a great blend of love, passion, excitement, and fear. And I don't know if that ever goes away. I mean, maybe for for seasoned. I guess directors, I, I hope for, for me, it still doesn't go away. I mean, the fear and like the excitement of starting something new, embarking on something new with someone as well. Like that director actor relationship is so important. I mean, it's just, you have to be in such the same uh, mindsets. And Mimi was extremely prepared. I mean, she had spent two and a half months, I believe, just thinking of every single shot the, the scenes, how, what, what is it about? What are we saying? What are we telling? And at the same time, uh, she stayed very free and open to uh, us coming in with our own sort of ideas. And, um, and I think that that kind of blend, that balance between uh, being prepared, but also just staying flexible to all the other people you're working with is really important um, and usually generates the best work, I think. I also have noticed that you've worked with quite a few female directors over the past few years. Is that something that you've done purposely or something that's just sort of come about because of the projects that you've chosen? I've just had, I've just had better work experiences with, with women, period. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, again, I think a lot really changed for me with I, Tanya and working with Margot Robbie, who, you know, I felt I'd done my best work up until that point um, opposite her. And, and she had a lot to do with that as a producer, but also as an actor. And and um, the way that I saw her reflect sort of the leadership and, and at the same time behind the camera and then jumping in front of the camera and kind of doing this role and her commitment and stuff, I, I, I felt, um, and, and, and while doing so, encouraging everyone else in the cast and, and, and in the project to sort of show up with their, at their A game with their best. It, it just, it, I've tried to kind of since then really sort of uh, gravitate towards similar experiences. And I've been lucky opposite a lot of strong women, but, but, um, and also some of the projects that I've really wanted to do were, yeah, were directed by women and, and, and who had very specific visions and, I think it is conscious, but then I also feel that there was um, some luck there too of of the right thing kind of aligning. So speaking of working relationships, you and Daisy Edgar Jones, you know, have some really incredible scenes in this film. Were you familiar with each other's work before this, and how did you go about building 
the sort of trust I imagine is needed to do the kind of film, uh, scenes that you have together in this film. Yeah, I, I had seen normal people uh, in the pandemic, and I just was so blown away by it, and 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 her her work in that, and just it seemed so honest and pure and authentic, and and um, so. And then uh, when I found out that she had signed on to this is, is when I really wanted to be a part of it. I I'd heard about the movie before, but it wasn't really until I read that she was doing this movie that I kind of raised my hand and I said, you know, I wanna, I wanna try and uh, get, in, get, on, get in on this project. It sounds really interesting, but I knew that, that she, would, she would elevate it in a way and her Noah uh, was going to be a very kind of complex kind of deep character um and, and you know because there's just i i think daisy to me sort of has this world awareness and we're you know kind of um about her there's like an inherited wisdom um and and there's there's so much um depth there and that that she just naturally brings to something so i knew that noah was going to be a fiercely intelligent very kind of um driven sort of character and and i thought okay opposite her noah like steve would also have to be extremely on his sort of top behavior and and then it really became kind of like a much more elevated complex sort of relationship um but um we hadn't met we we met in december we had a zoom and then we continued to have zooms throughout and i think we were working on the script as we were shooting it and adjusting sort of, because I think we were both on the same page. What we had liked about the movie was initially this very honest connection that happens at the beginning of the film. And then we were interested in tracking where that connection goes, even though the circumstances change in a very extreme way. Um, it's really that connection that kind of still manages to continue through the movie and 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 really being carefully tracking it and it's actually also her way out and and then we're really with her kind of as she discovers that and learns how to sort of lean into it actually to 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 find the way out um and that's a very different unique way of telling that story i thought because there is a moment and she does it so she's unbelievable in the movie there's there's two moments i mean there's a lot of moments in the movie where she's great but like the moment when she wakes up and she's chained to the thing and she's processing what's happening you know like in that moment how real like that movie is real like the way she acted in that in that scene is it's just unbelievable to me because you're with her all the way and then we're we're off and running it's such an important moment because if that moment hadn't worked then i think we you wouldn't really believe or understand what's going on you know but but she does it so well in terms of tracking every moment from disbelief to this isn't happening to sort of denial to anger to acceptance to and 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 so that's that's kind of the journey that she's on and then obviously when you're watching her later in the movie, there's there's points where I think expertly, like she does in such an expert way, where where you lose her a little bit, where you're kind of going, I'm not. I I thought I knew what she was up to, but now I'm kind of don't. And and that's how sort of Steve uh, feels. You know, he sort of loses track of her as well because of his own 
you know, the way he's sort of drawn to her. Um, and as you know, how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. She, she is phenomenal in it. You both are. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. For everyone listening, you can watch uh, Fresh on Hulu on March 4th. Definitely check it out. It is one of the most exciting movies I've seen in a while. Ah, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, that. of course. I loved it at Sundance. I can't wait to watch it again. Ah, uh, thank you so much. I'm so, I'm so happy. Let me know how you do it, Molly. Do what? Dating people. No, no. You do not need a man, okay? So don't play the games. Just be you straight out the gate. Do you live around here? Because I, I live on aisle six. That was terrible. It was kind of terrible. Hi, Daisy. How are you? Hi, I'm well. How are you? Good, good. I'm very excited to be talking to you about Fresh, especially coming off of uh, Normal People. I thought you were incredible in that. And I think that your uh, talent is just only beginning to be shown to all of us because you are just remarkable in this movie. Um, so thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me about it. Oh, that's very, very kind and much appreciated. Thank you. Absolutely. So in discussing the movie Fresh, I want to know... How was the screenplay pitched to you? Did, did, was it revealed to you before you read it what it actually was? Or, or was it, did, did they tell you, oh, no, 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 it is this kind of a movie. Just wait until you get like 30 pages in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my agents were very clever in the way they, they sent it through and they, they sent everyone who was sort of attached to work, working on it. So I knew, obviously, I saw Adam Mackay's name and, and mm -hmm. Mary Perrin. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, and but they didn't really tell me. I think all they said was something like, "This is this is a bit of a mad ride" or something like that. And I went, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, so I really didn't expect um, where it was going, which I thought was so fun because I, I think that's the way the the best way to come up watching the film is not 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 kind of be included into the twists and turns. So um, so yeah, I just I just thought it was such a roller coaster of a read, and I'd never read anything like it, nor had I seen anything like it. And I just thought. Mm -hmm. This is this is so unique. Um, I, I think it'd be so cool to be a part of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're acting opposite uh, majority of the film uh, with Sebastian Stan here in a role that, uh, for myself, I feel like I've never really seen him take on something like this either. What was the dynamic between the two of you like? Was there extensive rehearsal time? Uh, because your chemistry with him is so natural and really, I, I mean, honestly, like I, I was falling for the two of you in that like first act where I'm like, I really want to see them together. I know it's not going to go well, but they're a great match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I when I found out Sebastian was was attached I was so excited because I, I was such a big fan of his I I, I think I'd only recently watched I Tonya and just thought gosh this guy is incredible. Mm. so he is he's so versatile and also has such an amazing intensity that he can bring and and also very funny and I was like gosh he's gonna just uh, he's gonna do something so incredible with Steve and um and then yeah we we did have time to rehearse which was really good like you don't always get that and we had um two weeks of quarantine too before we even were able to start rehearsing because of um 
of just working in Vancouver at the time. So, um, so we, we, we would have a lot of zooms and talk through the scripts, but actually the whole way through the process of filming, we would spend a lot of time every weekend working on the scenes together. Um, which was an, which was really a wonderful kind of, um, collaborative experience that I hadn't, uh, had before where, where, you know, because often on set, you don't have a huge amount of time, you know, you, mm-hmm. you have however many scenes to get through and the lights going and, you, you know, it was really nice to, to work shop the scenes as, you know, together before we came to the day. And then we felt like we have all these tools in our toolkit that we can bring out. And, you know, a lot of our, our dialogue is, you know, quite a lot of it's improvised as well. And, mm-hmm shared sense of humor and had a real shared of sense of the humor of the script and so we were able to um yeah play in that way and it's so fun when you have a have an actor and I, I was I've been so lucky that I've worked with basically everyone I've worked with has been very generous as act you know as actors and um it just makes the the film better if both of you are on the same team you know sure completely so <laughs> In reading the character of uh, Noah here, what was a quality about her that you immediately identified with and said, yes, I, I get I get her mindset. I know who this character is. I can definitely be her. I think this slightly is like self-deprecating, like sarky, self-effacing nature of Noah was something I was like, oh, I relate, <laughs> I relate to that. And I relate to her humor. Like she doesn't take herself very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that, that's what's quite fun is that she she doesn't take herself seriously and actually probably underestimates the strength that she has within to, you know, what she ultimately discovers through this experience. Um, so, yeah, that was something I really related to. I think her sense of humor and her like dry wryness was something I, 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 I think I, I share. Yeah, uh, it, I, I, I guess I'll put up a spoiler warning for this question, uh, but... <laughs> Essentially, uh, you get a body part of yours uh, taken away from you uh, by Sebastian Stan's uh, character in this film. And it's definitely one that I imagine um, in having conversations with the director, uh, Mimi Cave, uh, you know, because you have to get physical in the third act quite a bit. I was curious if there were like any conversations about like, oh, so should she be walking like this certain way? Did she not have the same mobility? Like what, what was that all like? Yeah, so tracking that healing process was was an interesting one. I mean, I think that we like, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I made sure to like, um, we 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 tracked the idea that she um, it, it she was working out and she was working a way of like, you know, sort of being mobile with this injury, but also just. Mm-hmm that throughout the whole latter part of the scene, there's an adrenaline, like, like that she is feeling, you know, throughout. And it's incredible, the effect of adrenaline. And when you are (laughs) injured, that you can sort of move through pain in a way that you would otherwise not be able to. And so playing with the idea of like the adrenaline, giving her a slight, slight leeway in terms of how much she could move. But then I also wanted to plot in, like after the big physical fight scene, there's a moment where she falls off the table and I wanted to plot in a sense that there was like a, almost a re-injury of that. Mm-hmm. You know, for the final then act of the scene of her in the woods, there being slightly, you know, even more of a, more pain there. So yeah, it was a tricky one to navigate. And there was times where we were dancing and I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to, could I do this? But then, you know, you're like, yeah, of course, if the adrenaline is that extreme, then though she appears to be calm, underneath like she is she's absolutely terrified you know because if, if things go wrong that's her life that's her life and and molly's and penny's all at all at stake yeah one of my uh favorite acting moments uh is the moment where noah becomes aware of what is happening to her when she first wakes up 
and she realizes that she's chained. Did you experiment with different ways to play that scene? Because I found the reaction to be so relatable and authentic because there's, there's denial um, and then also this um, appeasement that's happening uh, between you and Spatch and Stan's character in regards to um, your politely like it, it, out of desperation and hope asking him to help you out in a situation where deep down she knows she's utterly hopeless i'm really i'm really grateful that you that you um that you pointed that out and you liked that scene too because that one that one was definitely i think there's always a scene on the call sheet that you or, or on the schedule that you know is coming and that you're <laughs> nervous about and and that for me was such an important scene um, because it's sort of if you if we didn't get that right, it would be hard to earn the entirety of the rest of the, the film because mm-hmm. it goes on, to, on such a kind of crazy chaotic journey that in order to to sort of keep the audience with us, we would need to to ground that moment there when she wakes up with as much truth and, and visceral sort of terror as I could. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, there was different ways of playing it. I think at the initial reading was that that it was like she woke up and was immediately like you know, terrified and immediately kind of like, no, like I can't, but I I think then we found this really interesting thing where, you know, when she wakes up, which I think is so much more scary is that even though it's dropping, like the realization is taking place, that her instinct is to say like, no, 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 no. Because you know, that thing of like, I don't know, like as a, as a woman watching true crime, like so often the victim is, is a woman. And so I think there's, there's a kind of, um, there's always that thought that goes through your head if if I were in this situation, like how how would I react? And I think for Noah, it's that feeling of like this thing I knew that could happen to me uh, because so often the victim is a woman and, and, and we are more vulnerable, you know, in many ways. This thing that I knew could happen, it ha- has actually happened to me. I am yeah. one in this situation. Oh, oh my goodness, this is happening, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, that um to then the crescendo of like absolute sort of visceral anger and, and you know but yeah it was quite an exhausting scene to, to play to be honest <laughs> um and then i was curious to know the, the opening scene is like just cringe at its finest in terms of that uh date that noah is going on with this guy scarf and the food and so on and so forth and i was curious to know uh what is your worst dating experience you've ever had obviously not as bad as noah but i mean i'm curious to know I haven't really been on many dates, which makes me quite sad. I should probably go as more, but I am. Um, it's, it's it is a pandemic after all. <laughs> you no, know, but I am. Um, I mean, I've never had any as bad as that. Really, everyone I've dated has been quite nice. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think uh, I've I've been on one or two dates where I've not known it was a date. Mm. They've gone. Oh no, this is a date. Mm-hmm. That, that happened to me actually. Um, which is me just assuming that, that that no one would yeah that yeah I don't know that it wouldn't be a date I don't know why so uh, so yeah so I think um that's probably the that's that's always not great but um but no no, no one has no one everyone's been very nice which I'm grateful hopefully that continues <laughs> absolutely I mean uh, in terms of uh, we were mentioning earlier the physicality of the third act and you know you said some stuff in there that I actually uh, caught on to while watching the movie is that it's so primal there's scratching there's clawing there's there's uh, crawling on the floor uh, just trying uh, with every fiber of your being to escape the situation that you're in and overpower this guy even if you have other people also trying to help it's a very desperate situation and uh, can you tell me a little bit about like just trying to choreograph something something that like looks so chaotic and so messy, but obviously 
you all know what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm just curious how something like that comes together. Yeah, so I mean, the stunts were very sort of meticulously planned, you know, for safety reasons. So we knew, and we knew the journey that the scene was going to take. We knew that ultimately we were going to end, that the, the penny was going to start in the, in the, in the kind of um, food, I don't even know what that's called, the, the lift thing. <laughs> yeah. That they were going to come from a different angle and that ultimately we had to end with, uh, yeah, Steve, Steve knocked, like Steve knocked out. And so there, there was definitely a journey through the room that we plotted. But in terms of just the fighting aspect, it was really fun to find that scrappiness. And I'm glad you picked up on it because I think it's sort of both very terrifying and also quite funny in a weird way that you find yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, why is this funny? Because it's like, wow, you know, these three women have never been in this situation. They, I mean, they do some boxing classes, but that was about as far as it comes to knowing how to do handle, uh, yeah. handle combat. So, um, so yeah, finding that kind of messiness was really important. And to be honest, I'd never done stunts before. So perhaps a lot of that was actually just me not being very good at stunts. So yeah. <laughs> well, you definitely fooled me. That's for sure. And then uh, final question here. Uh, favorite type of meat? Ooh. I don't mind chicken. Everybody likes chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Daisy, thank you so much for your time today and talking about uh, this new film, which is currently streaming on Hulu at the time of this interview uh, going up. Can't wait to see what you do next. As I said before, you're just continuously impressing all of us with your talent and uh, this being uh, still a relatively um, new point in your uh, career. It's just very, very exciting to see uh, where you go next. That's very, very kind. Thank you. Absolutely. You have a nice rest of your day. You have a lovely day. Take care. What's his Instagram? I want to stalk a little bit. I have one. Say what? Yeah. Oh, no. See, that's that's shady. Let's play a game. Tell me something you don't want me to know. I hate this. Okay. <laughs> we put all our hopes in finding happiness through someone else. Yeah. Girl, you are all digmatized, and I haven't even seen this dude. What's going on? I'm going to tell you, but you're going to freak out. No, this isn't happening. Yeah, it's happening. No games. Know what you wanted? First of all, how are you? Doing good, man. How you doing? Doing really well. Doing really well. Thank yeah. you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me today about the new film, Fresh, uh, a film that you have a small but seemingly pivotal role <laughs> until your character says, nah, fuck that shit, and just gets yep. the hell out of there. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, first of all, what was your reaction when you read the script? How was it pitched to you? Because... Mm. I do. Do people say, "Oh, you should read this one. It's a real," uh, it, it, or do they say, "Just read it. Don't ask any questions and leave the yeah. mystery to you"? No. So what what had happened was, you know, I, I got a call from uh, my agents and managers, and they were like, "Yo, there's this uh, there's this project that's going around, and uh, it, it, it's scaring people." Mm-hmm. You hear that? You go, "Ooh, I like that." Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam McKay is producing. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just some elements in there that I really, really liked. And then I was like, okay, cool. So, uh, l- like anybody else, I mean, I auditioned, I definitely auditioned for the project. And what I loved about it is very rarely do projects come along where they're like, um, oh, we want, you know, somebody to come and have some, um, Im- improvisational skills mm-hmm. and just, just knowing the stuff that McKay does, I was like, oh my God, like it, it, this is right up the alley of the type of stuff that I love to do. And, um, I, I rarely get the chance to, you know, improv too much. Uh, so you know, went in and, you know, I love the character, how laid back the character was written. And yeah. I, knew it was, I knew it was a mystery. And so I was like, uh, okay, very cool. So I did that, sent that in. And then 
really quickly got a call that Mimi Cave, the director, wants to have a conversation with you. And so jumped on and meeting Mimi was really everything. I mean, she was so amazing, so loving, so kind, so generous, and sent me the script. She's like, read it, read it, tell me what you think. And I read it cover to cover in one sitting. That So usually for me, that's always a sign when I'm fully, truly engaged in something, you know, uh, you yeah. know, reading it. Because usually you'll get something and you read you know, 20 pages and put it down. And then you read 30 pages and go on a walk or you go to the fridge, overeat. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, I read it cover to cover and I was like, oh my God, it was such, it's such a thrilling ride. And, you know, I'm the youngest of five. I have three sisters before me and I grew up, you know, my mom and my nieces, like a, a lot of estrogen in my house. So sure. I was just like, oh, I could, when I got done with the script, because I remember I was at home. When, when that happened, because we were this was at the tail end of uh, lockdown. So I'd gone to Atlanta to be with family. And I remember getting done with the script and just, I could imagine my sisters and my niece, like my nieces and my mom in a room watching this movie. And the visceral experience of, of you know, a, a, a date gone wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up with my sisters complaining about bad dates, you know, years and years and you know cousins and my nieces you know I grew up with them just talking about how impossible it is to meet a man the 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 headaches of it you know and so I just felt like it would be a movie that would be such a roller coaster ride for women specifically Mm -hmm. and to be a part of something like that was was awesome I I was like okay I want to do this you know that's the that's the meadow part of it is I want to be a part of something like this because I want to, to make something that's for the women in my family sure Sure, totally. Really, I just, I, I just like, I like the character, and I like the spin on the character. First of all, the black guy doesn't die in the horror movie, uh, which is amazing, you yep, know. Yep. And 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 also because that's what's somewhere we hear a gunshot, we hear screaming, I'm out. Yeah. You know what I mean? We do not <laughs> investigate. I I also knew, you know, for African Americans or Africans watching this story and getting to that moment there will be a cathartic experience from years of watching horror movies and, 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 and for black folks inexplicably walking into their doom. Uh, so I knew that that was a, you know, a cathartic experience that could come out of that. But I also just loved that this was a story about women who found themselves in dire circumstances and they were the heroes of their story. Make no mistake yeah. about it. Paul is designed to be a red herring. And he's he's also playing on the tropes of the the man who's gonna come and save the day. I mean, yeah. and there's no and there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Men are good. Men are amazing. I'm one, and I think you know every once in a while I'm all right. So it's not <laughs> it, you know we're not we're not putting down the man. I, I just think for this specific story, what Mimi was trying to explore was the different aspects of men putting horse blinders onto the plight of women. So if you look at Sebastian's character, for example, you know, he is the source of doom. He is the source of, of you know, the predator um, in society. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, even the men that he um, sends his delicacies to, you know, they are enablers in society mm-hmm. of, of toxic behavior. And then if you look at someone like Paul, he's the man who goes, oh, I've never done anything to harm a woman. But at the same time, if you see, a, you know, either at the in the workplace if you're getting paid better than a female colleague that you know should be on the same pay level as you or if you see a lady in the street getting struck you know by a man and you go on your merry way and don't do anything to help her you know those of us who sometimes in the absence of action 
uh, think that we are not part of the problem. There is something there. You know, I think silence in silence to, you know, the plight of somebody where you could be vocal is you're being, you're all is, is you're being complacent in that situation. So it was mm-hmm. just, expo- it, it was just exploring uh, subtext, but I think it was all exploring, you know, the different types of men and the different, you know, ways that, um, we, we can be oblivious to the plight of women around us. You know, obviously it's wrapped in genre, but that that's really what we were trying to explore with, with that character. So yeah, he is playing on the conditioning that we all have watching these type of thrillers and what mm-hmm. our expectations are. And um, I think it's a more, a more clever way to uh, subvert expectations. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, hey there. there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo. And co-hosts of Sleepover, Sleepover Cinema. Cinema. Our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. I love that you answered like like four of my prepared questions in that uh, in that response just <laughs> now. But uh, one thing I do want to know is your character is playing a bartender in this story. Do you have any experience yourself working in bars, mixing drinks, things of that nature? Or did you learn any of that for this? No, I've never worked in a bar before. I know it's it's supposed to be the rite of passage for actors. Yeah, know, right. <laughs> no, and, and I know I'm probably going to get a lot of hatred or flack from people. I guess I didn't pay my dues, but... <laughs> I, I got I got extremely lucky. Listen, I, I remember I quit my job in 2010 and I moved to L.A. I said I want to be an actor and I gave myself a year, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous because we all know it takes like 20 years to be an overnight success. And, you know, in the most ridiculous serendipitous turn of events, I met my current manager. She's still my manager. She managed to convince, you know, a casting director audition for the hunger games and so the year the day from moving to la i was cast in the hunger games and two days after that i'm in Asheville, north carolina looking jennifer lawrence in the eyeballs and like acting and going oh my god that was insane so no that's the long-winded way of saying i i didn't have to bartend um but obviously when i got this part you know uh went and started watching you know like cocktail because mm-hmm. in my mind, I thought I'd be doing like Tom Cruise stuff. And sure, he's like, sure. No, no, no. He is a real life bartender and not like a movie bartender, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, I had to learn to mix a couple of things, you know what I mean? But, you know, I, I throw the occasional party. I make a pretty decent margarita now and then, you know. Or, hey, you, know, you know what? Fresh is like the fashion. perfect movie to throw on for a party, you know, bring some friends over, gather around the Absolutely. TV. Yeah. Yes. Great audience participation film, that's for sure. Um, one other thing, too, that you mentioned uh, that I find to be very 
interesting. You were talking about black tropes, especially in the, yep. in the horror genre. Um, and, I, and I do sense that there is definitely a trend of trying to subvert uh, those tropes that we are expecting uh, that have been exploited in the past or just not seeing uh, marginalized characters get their due uh, in this genre. Do you think that uh, we are getting to a point where this is becoming uh, the norm or do you still feel it's going through a transitional phase uh, for uh, more opportunities for Black actors uh, within the genre? Absolutely. I, I think I think it's going through a transitional phase. I mean, and there are people who are spearheading that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, clearly Mimi Cave is one of those people who felt like this is a great way to, you know, subvert that expectation. I think Jordan Peele is definitely at the forefront of that with what he did with Get Out and mm-hmm. with us and, you know, with Nope coming pretty soon. Yep. And, um, you know, even the Yaya Abdul-Mateen movie, um, yeah, Candyman Candy that came yeah. out, you know, that, that, that takes these, yeah, these tropes and like, you know, shines a new light or really the creation of the social thriller genre mm-hmm. which yeah. i think the, the, the after the mockumentary is the newest like genre kind of song. and i think that's the way to go about it you know i i think uh, i definitely think we're in a transitional phase and it's amazing and interesting and we're in a very sweet spot because you can still play off of the expectation of the audience you know i feel like in the next five years they be the you know what's what's going on in there you know and um and you know then it might lose its luster or it actually it actually might be more interesting because now when you have actors of color or you know the the final girl showing mm-hmm. up in a horror movie you don't know what's gonna happen now True. because you know these expectations are completely gone out the window and i think that's just a, a rich bed for fun and exciting storytelling I think so too. Audiences like to be surprised, especially in this type of genre as well. Yes. And this movie is definitely very surprising in that regard. Um, yeah. Very, very excited uh, for you and the continuation of your career, especially. Um, before we go, are you able to tell us what you do have coming up uh, next? Yeah, I can talk about a couple of things. Uh, I have a movie coming out um, with Disney called Rise. It's a story of uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo and his family. Giannis is a basketball player. He played the Milwaukee Bucks. He just won the championship last year. And it's a crazy story about uh, this Nigerian immigrant family and how they, you know, uh, you know, immigrated to, to Greece. And, you know, they were like illegal on the streets of Greece. They were selling and hawking goods on the streets. But then their kids started becoming these amazing basketball players. But the, 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 the greater they became, the more their, you know, illegal status was being highlighted and it was like what's who's going to win out first are they going to get deported back to nigeria where they had no real hope or will they make it into the nba and be able to create something new for their family and so it's such a beautiful 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 film you know i'm of nigerian descent and for the first time in my career i actually got to use the full length and breadth of my like true accent which i loved um so yeah excited for that that comes out in later in the year uh summer release and then i also have a movie with uh, robert rodriguez and ben affleck called hypnotic which is another mind bender of a movie um really really fun we shot that in austin last year and so that should also come out sometime later in the year uh i'm also on a show called c on apple mm-hmm. tv plus with jason momoa and alfie woodard and yeah our season three also comes out sometime this year and then uh 
Yeah, I think that's about. I mean, I got one other one, but yeah, I would think okay. All right, to that's talk fun. about that one just yeah, but yeah, that's some nice ones still coming up. Well, hey, it sounds like that one year you gave yourself uh really paid off, so uh, congratulations <laughs> right. to you, and uh, thank yeah. you very much for taking the time to chat with me today. Absolutely, thank you. All right, take care, take care, brother. It's about giving, giving yourself over to somebody, becoming one forever. That's love. Forget this. It's a straight girl's fantasy come true, right? Hi, Jojo. How are you today? I'm amazing. How you doing? I'm... I'm pretty good. I've, amazing. That's hard to live up to. So yeah, I'll go pretty good. <laughs> you gotta say it first. You gotta. Yeah, you gotta that's speak true. It and then it happens. You know. I feel that totally, <laughs> and you should rightfully feel amazing. Uh, this film, Fresh, is now on Hulu for the world to see. This is your first feature film credit, I believe. First, and first you have a very, very memorable role in this one. Molly is exactly the kind of friend that I think we all wish that we had in life who would have our backs and would go uh, even to the lengths of putting themselves in harm's way to save us from a, in this case, murdering psychopath. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your reaction when you first read the script, because um, I, I, I'm always interested in hearing from members of the cast how they were pitched the script, especially. Yeah, um, so my agent Houston introduced me to the script and I read it and I was I was a little disturbed. However, it <laughs> did remind me of the type of film that I would watch like as a kid with my my dad. Like I was like, this is something me and my dad could watch, you know, together because it's just like a suspense, it's a thriller. And then honestly, what really, really made me want to do it is I had a general meeting with the director Mimi. Mm -hmm. and we off so great and I was like I really I was just like I really really would love to work with her and of course you know Sebastian and Daisy were attached so uh it was just a you know incredible combination of things going on and I you know I read the script I love Molly's character I love that she was um smart and um and she was a leader very much so and that she also um Lauren had already written her to be like quirky and like um quick like witty you know mm -hmm. and so I was like okay this is what I can I can work with this you know uh and yeah I mean just the whole the whole it was my first film so I was yeah. like definitely trying to get in on this <laughs> and you have a lot of physicality to do in the third act as well um I talked a little bit with Daisy about um the the blocking and the chaos of it all and how it was very What's the word I'm looking for here? It, it, it intentionally looks messy because you three are fighting for your lives uh, opposite of uh, Sebastian Stan. Can you tell me what your experience was like, uh, particularly in that scene? It was a lot of fun. So we started off doing training, of course, like uh, before we did that scene. And then when we got to it, um, Sebastian having Marvel experience, he was mm -hmm. really the leader in it all. <laughs> he was, you know, and really gave us... Um, gave us free range to be kids because I was like oh we doing sounds we do you know like making like sounds with I was like okay like I I used to wrestle with my brother when we were kids you know and it was it was it was so fun to really tap into our imagination and play fight you know um 
I think I got a little too invested. The the uh, the stunt man was like, "Yeah, you're getting too close to my face. You don't have to." <laughs> and I was like, "Listen, bro, I'm not gonna hit you. I'm a professional. My brother and I used to fight all the time back in the day. You're fine." And then so then I would do a scene with Sebastian, and he was like, "No fear. Hey, whatever feels right. If you want to come at me, come at me. If you want to hit me, hit me. Whatever, whatever you know in the moment. If you feel like doing that." And I'm like. He just gave the wrong person the green light. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. You, you um, can tell all your friends now, I clocked a winter soldier in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to ask too, you know, you talk about meeting uh, Mimi, this being her first feature film as well. Mm-hmm. W- what qualities did you sense in her during your initial meeting that made you go, all right, I know it's your first feature film. It's my first feature film too, but I feel like I'm in good hands here. Yeah. Um, well, I had watched some of her music videos. I thought her stylization was super cool and mm-hmm. unique and eclectic. And so then when I met her, um, she was so open to just hearing my thoughts on the character and, you know, what I pictured for it. And then I could tell she was very passionate about it. And then, you know, it's my first time. It's her first time. I know that as a person's first time, this is their baby, you know, they're going to do it well, you know, to the best of their ability. Um, and she was just so cool. Like, I think energy is the biggest thing when it comes to working with people in this industry a lot of times. And of course it's the work and everything like that. But you know, when, when you hit cut, when you yell cut, you gotta, yeah, like these are your coworkers, you know? So, um, her and I hit it off pretty easily. And I think that's definitely one of the things where I was just like, this script is going to be amazing because I can tell she's a great communicator and Mm -hmm. a lot of times you got to collaborate on the back end even after the script is finished to tweak things and she was amazing at listening and asking for our opinions. Many of Molly's scenes are uh, actually not acting opposite uh, of Daisy uh, Edgar Jones actually so curious to know um, during your scenes where you're talking to her like over the phone uh, was Mimi the one feeding you lines or was Daisy on set at all like did you guys get a chance to bond the two of you oh yeah you know it was a very particular situation because COVID had just happened so right yeah we went to Canada and Daisy and I had to do two weeks quarantine by alone and then afterwards we had still like three weeks before we started shooting so that's when we all started hanging out and building nice. our, our bond and it was super easy Daisy's so cool and so sweet she gave me some DJ lessons um and so when we got on set the scene I did in the bathroom on the phone mm-hmm. uh I, they they were they played me her version because she had already recorded it so gotcha. they, they played it over but there were times when we would uh help each other out and be like hey so it sounds natural you know um like one time daisy no that ain't with it that's not what happened daisy actually was nice enough to call in actually i am lying Oh, like, well, yes. Yeah, so basically they had daisy on the phone and she was running her lines with me that way so it it helps when you have uh scene partners that are willing to help you out and to to because they want to make sure it sounds good for them too you know and right right it's a whole collaborative thing so she was actually on the phone when we were doing our lives (laughs) it's like one of those things like when they make animated movies and they have everyone record separately i'm like amazed sometimes of how they can just get that stuff to blend so i'm actually uh glad to hear that you had that reference uh for your scenes because you're right there is a natural chemistry and there's also a charisma to molly as well that makes her so identifiable and someone that you like really want to root for when she 
bust out that shovel in the third act. I was <laughs> cheering. Oh my gosh, I was having such a good time. And 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 I wanted to ask too, you know, because this movie is so much about modern dating relationships has this movie in any way shape or form like colored your perception of like next time you go out on a date like are you looking for red flags just as much as molly is well um <laughs> i date women so uh sure sure know, there, there can still be red flags with women <laughs> yeah there's some crazy women out there you know um I am in a relationship currently, so thankfully okay. I do not have to, because <laughs> uh, I hear horror stories. Um, you know, my friend was like, yeah, it's ghetto out here. It's real ghetto in this dating pool. But um, I, when I was dating, yeah, I mean, my mom has always been very uh, instrumental in making sure we have a high level of what she would consider common sense, you know, like in certain mm-hmm. ways or just never really fully trusting people in terms of like don't put your guard down in terms of like it's a stranger whether it's male female whatever so um yeah I do think that this movie will definitely hopefully put some people in a, on a little bit not high alert because you want to just date you know hopefully not fear for your life in the process but yeah um at the same time I do think that it is a women's empowerment movie and hopefully women take away uh the fact that you can you can have ownership over your safety and your you know what i'm saying like making right decisions and things of that nature and you know but at the same time you can think you're doing everything right and make a right decision and really it's more so about telling men to um keep them ha- keep their hands to themselves and to be respectful of other people's space and you know i don't think it starts with telling women that we got to act a certain type of way it starts with telling men that they don't have ownership over women's bodies. Absolutely. So, you know, I think yep. I hope that's what is taken away from that is like it starts with the problem, not with the the, the victim, you know. So Right, right. Um yeah. and then finally, um this being uh as we mentioned before, your first feature uh acting role, are you able to tell us uh, what you have uh, coming up next in your career? Yeah, so I actually just wrapped up a film with Hello Sunshine, Reese Witherspoon's production company, um, and Zoe Deutsch um, is the lead in a film. I play her friend, um, uh, and it's called Something from Tiffany's. It'll be out on Apple TV in November. Nice. So it's really it's really fun, cute rom-com, um, way different than fresh. So, you know, trying to get those different variations in as an actress and trying new things. So um, that is the next thing that I'll be doing. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing more in your career as it progresses forward. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today about this film and best of luck to you. Best of luck to you too. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Nicole Ackman's interview with Sebastian Stan and my interviews with Daisy Edgar-Jones, Jojo T. Gibbs, and Dio Okanayi here on the Next Best Picture podcast for the new film Fresh. Fresh is currently streaming on Hulu. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.
Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.